Now, as I've mentioned before, uh, parables were not intended to make spiritual truths easy to understand or more accessible to, to people. Uh, actually, Jesus' teaching in parables was an act of judgment upon the unbelief of Israel. They lost the privilege of hearing truths about the kingdom spoken plainly. Now these precious truths were wrapped up in a parable which demanded uh, deeper thought. And oftentimes it demanded a continuing to follow Jesus in order to get the explanation from him for the meaning of the parable. And so parables challenge us. Uh, to ask the question, do we believe Jesus has something important to teach us? Do we, like the Apostle Peter, believe that Jesus is the Son of God who has the words of eternal life? Where else can we go? We have to listen to you. We have to follow you. Otherwise, we would not know how to have a life with God and life everlasting. Do we believe that Jesus... Teaching is worth thinking deeply about, working, uh, struggling, worth struggling in order to uh, take in, and ultimately, do we believe that it's worth following Jesus for a lifetime to get? That's the challenge that I want us to feel in the uh, parables in general, and then, of course, uh, each parable has its own uh, truth and challenge for us. So here are the nine parables we're looking at during this series Parable of the soils, uh, that was week one. Parable of the wheat and tares, last Sunday. This week, parable of the mustard seed, actually two parables. Parables of the mustard seed and the leaven. Then next week, the hidden treasure parable. Then the parable of the unmerciful servant. Then the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Then the parable of the wedding banquet. Then the parable of the ten virgins. And then finally, the parable of the talents. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 13. If you've missed any of the parable sermons, you can find them online, uh, clearwater.church. They're also on um, podcast through iTunes, so uh, you can take, uh, take the message with you and catch up. I encourage you to do that. I also encourage everyone to be in a journey group. Life is better together, and journey groups are, are where we know and uh, know. And so it's important to be in a journey group, especially as we continue to grow as a church. We can get lost in the crowd, and uh, God doesn't want that for us. And so journey groups are the primary format that we um, practice uh, small group community. And we have new directories, journey group directories. We have lots of journey groups uh, meeting at different times in different places. And so Find, pick up a directory, find a group that matches your schedule and get involved, and you can find them on the back table. James would uh, love to help you find a group that works. All right, today's parables, found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 33. He put another parable before them, saying, so Jesus is speaking to the crowd. He's not alone with his disciples at this time. He's talking to the crowd. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. 
He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. We're looking at these two parables, parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the leaven, together. Um, They're put here together uh, by the um, evangelist Matthew because they they provide complementary ideas or insights into the kingdom of God, and I think they're meant to go together. So first, the kingdom, uh, I'm sorry, the parable of the mustard seed. Now remember, uh, Jesus is, what's, what's the point of the parable? The kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus is trying to teach us something about the nature, uh, the values, the practices of the kingdom of heaven. We're learning something about the kingdom of heaven through this parable. Kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds. Now, is it the smallest of all seeds? No. There are other seeds in the world smaller than the mustard seed. Aha! Jesus made a mistake! The Bible's not true! I don't have to be a Christian! Well, hang on. First off, Jesus is speaking uh, poetically, right? He's, he's not trying to make a botanical claim. He's trying to make a point about the kingdom of heaven starts small and it gets big. And I will say that uh, as far as we know, the mustard seed was the smallest seed that a first century farmer in Palestine would have planted in his field. So actually, Jesus is very accurate. In Palestine, in the first century, uh, the black mustard seed, the smallest seed, and it grows uh, uh, to, can grow up to 10 feet tall. Uh, what about the birds of the air coming and making nests in its branches? Well, it could simply be that Jesus is, that's a, a further indication of how large it gets. It's so big that birds can come and make nests in it. But many have seen in the birds... Uh, a, an, a connection to Ezekiel chapter 17, where God is foretelling the messianic kingdom to come. And he describes it as a tree in which the nations of the world are like birds, and they come and take refuge in it. And probably, that's probably what Jesus is doing here. Uh, any biblically literate Jew would have quickly seen Jesus is talking about the messianic kingdom and uh, how it's going to get so large, just like God, God foretold, that the, it's going to uh, be able to encompass all the nations of the world. They'll come and take refuge in the kingdom of the Messiah. So, what's the point? The point of the parable is the kingdom of heaven is going to start small, but it's going to get enormous. In fact, it will end up uh, eclipsing all the other kingdoms of the world. It the kingdom, at the end, as we're told in Revelation, at the end of days there will remain the kingdom of God and of his Christ, right? There will only be one kingdom, and we will all take refuge in that kingdom. Now, I want you to consider the impact this parable would have had on uh, Jesus' audience. When Jesus spoke this parable... Popular Jewish theology, almost universal uh, expectation amongst the Jews is that when the Messiah comes, 
the kingdom of God will come immediately and in, in its entirety, completely. The Jewish people, the people of God in Jesus' day, they wanted what we want. They're longing for that day when it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They longed for unbelief to be uh, uprooted and taken out. They longed for sin to be removed. They longed for the people of God to reign with God. Uh, right? and, and, but in their minds, that was all going to happen as soon as the Messiah came. And so all we got to wait for and long for and hope for is the coming of the Messiah. And at that moment, the kingdom will be ushered in and it will come immediately and completely. In fact, pro certainly one of, if not the primary reason, Jewish people rejected Jesus as the Messiah is because he did not bring the kingdom that way. In fact, for many Jews, they said, how can Jesus be the Messiah? The Romans are still here. How can be Jesus be the Messiah? He died without bringing the kingdom as we expect, right? There's still evil in the world. There's still unbelief in the world. The, the, the wicked people are still in power. Jesus cannot be the Messiah. And that was the conclusion many Jews made. So Jesus, through this parable, is challenging his fellow Jews to rethink the process that God was going to use to usher in his kingdom. Jesus had told them, I am the Messiah. And with my coming, the kingdom of heaven has begun. It's here. It's broken into time and space. But, contrary to what you think, it's going to start small and over time it will grow and grow and grow and take over the earth. But it's going to take time. If you were, I think to myself, if I were a first century Jew, I think that would have been hard for me to swallow. It's certainly not what I would have wanted, right? No, I want it now. How long is this going to take? Well, history has absolutely proved Jesus right. Surprise. Surprise. Okay, let's watch a video. Here's the, a video trying to graphically um, demonstrate the spread of Christianity uh, throughout the last couple of thousand years.
So that video is uh, simply showing where Christianity is dominant, right? But there is virtually, uh, there are very few places on the planet where the kingdom has not come in some form. There are Christians in most every town, village, and city in the world. So the kingdom uh, has gone all over the globe. And who knows what that map will look like by the time Christ returns. So Jesus was absolutely correct. When he uh, spoke this parable, there were a, uh, the kingdom of heaven was limited to Palestine and a few thousand people. And now there are, it's estimated that there are 2.3 billion Christians uh, in the world. The, number, uh, the, largest, most, um, the largest religion in the world. Uh, it's estimated that Islam has 1.8 billion uh, adherents. But Christianity, and, and we just don't know what's it going to look like you know, by the time Christ returns. The kingdom of heaven, like a little mustard seed, starts small, uh, but it, it's going to grow and grow and grow until it ultimately, um, there is, it's the only kingdom on earth. Now, I don't know. What, uh, what the map will look like when Christ returns. Uh, there are some Christians who believe that uh, the kingdom will just, uh, the gospel will go out and society will be transformed and sort of the, the millennial age will be ushered in. That's not my understanding of scripture. It seems to me that uh, scripture indicates that it's going to also uh, involve and require Christ's second coming uh, and at that point, he will remove uh, unbelief and sin from the world like we looked at uh, last week. So let's talk briefly about the kingdom of heaven. We need to define the kingdom of heaven. What is it? Uh, well, Jesus in Luke tells us that the kingdom of heaven, we won't be able to say there it is or here it is. It's not going to have ge geographical boundaries. It's not going to have political boundaries. He says it's in, it, there it is. In the midst of you. Uh, the kingdom of heaven, here simply defined, the kingdom of heaven is wherever the rule of God exists. Wherever God is in control, there is the kingdom of heaven. Wherever it is done on earth like it is in heaven, there is the kingdom of heaven. And so, whenever a person uh, bows the knee to Jesus and becomes a Christian... There's the kingdom. And whenever we give, conform one more part of our lives to the example and teaching of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of heaven has expanded. Whenever we say, hey, our marriage is going to be a Christian marriage, and we're going to love each other the way Christ has taught us, there is the kingdom of heaven. Now, whenever we say our family is going to be a Christian family and we're going to operate according to Christian values, we're going to love each other as, as Christ taught us to love, there is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, whenever someone says, I'm going to run my business according to Christian principles and we're going to, uh, we're going to submit our business to, to God's will and ways, there is the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is advancing all around the world. And it won't stop. And there's coming a day in which uh, it's all that will remain, both in our own lives and in, in our world. 
Now to the kingdom, or now to the parable of the leaven, which is a uh, an advance on this idea, complementary advance. Verse thirty-three. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Three measures of flour. It's a lot of flour. That's enough flour to feed uh, somewhere between 100 and 150 people. Uh, it's probably as much flour as a woman in first century Palestine would have possibly been, been messing with. Uh, and so she takes some leaven, she hides it in the flour. And we don't know how much leaven, but it doesn't take much, right? Leaven... Uh, will act as a ferment. It'll, through a process of fermentation, it transforms, it alters the flour. It leavens the flour. And so Jesus' point here is that the kingdom of heaven, which starts small, over time it will transform all of society. It's going to transform people and it's going to transform the world in which we live. And it's, yes, it starts small, but once it begins to work, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. If, if the gospel seed has planted in you and you are good soil, like we talked about two weeks ago, it's going to uh, transform your life. Now, that transformation won't be complete until Christ returns, uh, but you will be 100% and utterly uh, different and under the sway of Christ the King. His kingdom uh, will, will transform you completely. And, our, and this earth and this world will be completely transformed by the gospel. And so we look forward to that day when it is 100% utterly different. Kingdom of heaven is like leaven. A woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Boy, we look forward to that day. The kingdom of heaven will transform everything. Uh, let me just remind you of the impact Christianity had on the Roman Empire. So at the time of Christ, uh, in the Roman Empire, infanticide, abortion, very prevalent, culturally accepted, if you didn't want your child, if your child was deformed or inconvenient, then you as a parent had a right to, you know, leave them out in the cold, let them expose and let them die. You could drown them. That was sort of accepted. Uh, in slavery, there was tons of slavery in the Roman Empire at the time of Christ, very accepted culturally. Gladiatorial games, right, where slaves and criminals were forced to fight each other to the death in order to entertain the crowds. And that was seen as legitimate entertainment in Roman society. Sexual immorality, including sex with children, homosexuality, accepted practice rampant within the Roman Empire. Women were uh, considered, when they were married, they were considered the property of their husbands. Uh, men were definitely more elevated in status than women. And then criminals were branded and uh, tortured, and then you had like crucifixion, the ultimate you know, um, uh, horrific punishment. Well, Christianity transformed people, by the way, transformed societies, right? Uh, 
And so within the Roman Empire, as more and more uh, people gave their lives to Christ and had their lives transformed by the gospel, then they began to agitate for uh, Christian values and laws uh, to, for, um, within their empire. And so because of Christianity's influence, eventually infanticide was outlawed in the Roman Empire. Slavery was abolished in the Roman Empire. The gladiatorial games were stopped. Sexual immorality was reined in a lot. It was now perceived as uh, if you wanted to be respectable, that you married her and uh, you were faithful to her for a lifetime. Uh, the status of women was radically elevated because of Christianity in the Roman Empire. Branding of criminals, crucifixions, outlawed. So here, just an example of uh, the gospel transforming society, the leaven, leavening the dough. So these parables, what, what's, what impact should these parables have on us? What's the modern day takeaway? And I think there are three. Number one, patience. Jesus is saying, be patient. Yes, I know you want the kingdom of heaven to come now in its entirety. When somebody becomes a Christian, you, you want them to be utterly 100% different, right? Especially if you're married to that person. Uh, I, want, I want their transportation to be immediate and complete. But Jesus is saying that's not the way it works. So you've got to be patient. It takes time. But it is an unstoppable power. In, in a human life, and it's an unstoppable power in society. So be patient. Number two, be full of hope. Man, imagine being a Christian in North Korea, where to be a Christian might very well uh, put you in prison. Here's a government, and totalitarian governments are often down on Christianity because they recognize that Christians have allegiance to another king and another kingdom. And that we're willing to lay our lives down in order to serve that king and that kingdom. So here's Kim Jong-un, right? And, he, and Christians, he's trying to eliminate Christianity from his society because he sees it as a threat. And so if you're a Christian in North Korea, life is not easy. And so can you imagine how hope-filled this parable would make you? You know what? This is temporary. North Korea is going to be someday under the sway of Christ the King. In North Korea, there will only someday be Jesus and his ways. And, and his followers will be on top. And so this, this is intended to fill us with hope. As, as you're frustrated with yourself for not being as good of a Christian as you want to be, right? It's, you're not done yet. Christ is changing you. You're going to only get sweeter and better. And then finally, this uh, parable is intended to give us a purpose. How does the kingdom of heaven advance? The kingdom of heaven advances through the work of the church. Jesus said... I'm headed up to heaven, but I'm giving to you the responsibility to go out and make disciples. 
Baptize him in my name and teach him to obey all that I have commanded you. That's the purpose of the church. We exist to expand the kingdom of heaven on earth. And that's our purpose. Uh, how The kingdom of heaven is to advance and it advances through the work of the church and, and the work of God's people. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, what am I doing to expand the kingdom of heaven on earth? What can I point to in my life? And say, and hopefully we can say, I'm sharing the gospel with my friends and my family and my neighbors and my coworkers. Uh, I'm telling them uh, about the fact that God loved them so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the earth. He lived a righteous life, and yet he died a sinner's death, a criminal's death. Why? For your sake and my sake. By his stripes we are healed. And if we'll repent of our sins and put our faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ, our sins will be taken away as far as the east is from the west, remembered no more. We will be reconciled to God. His Holy Spirit will indwell us to empower us to live a God-word life. And then when we die, we'll be resurrected by that same Spirit that brought Christ from the dead, and we will spend forever and ever with God. There's the good news. We need to be talking it up, right? So hopefully we're doing that. Uh, hopefully we're serving the church. Uh, if you are, if you consider Clearwater Church your home, you should be uh, have a place to serve around here. And if you don't, uh, we have some ideas for you. In fact, uh, we've got one of these join Team Clearwater. Lots of opportunities here. And if you don't see a way, uh, you know, if you're not excited about one of these ways, and you feel that God has gifted you and called you to minister in another way. Uh, let us know that. We want to partner with you in that. We want to support you in that. Right? You're, we are all the church. And uh, so we, we can't, uh, uh, the leaders can't always see opportunities and how people are gifted. So let us know that. So hopefully you're serving the church. Hopefully you're underwriting the work of uh, the church around the world, both here at, at Clearwater Church and other mission efforts. How... And then, you know, how, is, how am I expanding the kingdom? And then, of course, the kingdom expands as we conform our lives to the example and the teachings of Jesus Christ. The kingdom needs to be growing in me. And it will grow in me as I um, respond to and partner with the Spirit of God. I want to be able to look back and say, I'm not the same Mike I was five years ago. I'm not the same person I was ten years ago. And not just because I'm older and wiser, but because God is transforming me by his spirit, right? And so his kingdom can grow in us. So be patient, be filled with hope, and have, uh, be on purpose, have a purpose. Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is here, and it is expanding. But we pray... Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We long for it, for your kingdom to come uh, in its entirety. Lord, we long for the day when unbelief and wickedness will be uprooted from the world and all that will remain is the kingdom of our God. And yet, Lord, we saw last week that this interim time is intentional. It flows out of your love and your patience and your desire that all will be saved. And so, Lord, we do not want to sit on our, our hands during this 
uh, critical time. Now is the time for the gospel to go out. Now is the time for people to be saved. And Lord, may we not waste our time by building our own kingdoms that will not last. But may we be building your kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.